Hello, everybody. Welcome to the WCBC Podcast. My name is Hunter. My name's Alan. And we are here. We are back. Um, Cody's out of town, so it's just me and Alan today. Um, summer gets a little different, you know. We got things going on. Um, like I know, probably like the first week of July, um, we'll probably have an episode. We'll figure that out. I know that Sunday I won't be here. Last Sunday we didn't record. We had something come up, so... Um, y'all just bear with us. I'll keep making sure that things are spaced out enough where we have episodes coming out. Um, but it might be every week. It could be other, other, every other week. Um, but I want to make sure that everything's spaced out and we're releasing it, you know, with good timing between them. Um, sometimes I put two out at the same time. And, I mean, that's good because it's there. But I think it's kind of better. I must just make sure everything's spaced out so everybody has an opportunity to listen to what's new and then wait a little bit and listen to the next one um, instead of trying to pile everybody up with so many episodes. Um, so we're here. Um, I'm t- well, what me and Alan were talking about is uh, uh, we've been talking about perspective even before we started this. We're going to finish that up today. Um, but it's kind of like what me and Alan were talking about. It's like you just, you really, when you talk about things about your perspective or your view of God or, you know, maybe you realize that you view God in wrong ways. Um, It's so interesting because, like, I told Alan that through listening and also, like, doing this segment, I've really realized, um, like, there are some days where, like, I just might have a thought or my view might be off or I might spend some time in prayer and it's kind of like it comes to my mind, like, I don't think my perspective is right in that. Um, I think I'm kind of like, like, for instance, like, oh, God, well, if I do this, then, you know, you'll do this. Um, Because sometimes, you know, like in my prayer life, I'll ask for things and pray for things and make my petitions known. But then it's kind of like after I'm done, I'm like, well, I better do this better so that way I'll have better chances. So it's like God doesn't work like that. And we've covered that. Um, But it's just cool because um, this segment of perspective has affected me and brought things to life in my mind and my heart. And I appreciate that. Um, I'll share a little bit of what I've learned from this since we've been doing it. You know, we can obviously, or I can obviously look at me and my perspective of God and, and see the physical things that maybe I wanted my own flesh, my own lust, the, the, you know, whether it's monetarily or or whatever and say, you know, boy, I, I think I need that or I want that start asking God for that and have the, perspective of God being the, the butler sitting up there waiting to, to, to serve me and that's easy to see when that's going on in my life but what I've learned from this segment or this study that we've been doing is I'm guilty of doing that spiritually I mean praying prayers that I don't think are bad prayers that I want God to improve my sanctification or I want God to make me more holy which are all good prayers but I want God to do it I want, I want him to make, maybe wave the magic wand and poof, Alan's a super Christian. It doesn't happen like that. Uh, some of the things that when your perspective of God gets right, you understand that. It's not based on works. But when my perspective gets right, I know that there is things for me to do to advance in my sanctification. And it's, it's you know, I mean, sanctification it is. And, and you know, it's just an act of, God's grace, yeah, that He would just reveal things to us and where we lack, or maybe things we've just never seen before. 
I mean, for instance, it's like, you know, if you walk into a room in your house and it's dark, um, you might be able to pinpoint some things, but I guarantee you with a flashlight, you'll find some things you didn't think of. It's the condition of the heart, man. And that's the thing. It's like, there are things about my life and my attitude, my personality, my emotions that I've never seen. I've never realized, but you know, when God takes that figurative flashlight, right, the spirit is what we're really talking about. And he brings that to light in our hearts, in our minds. It's like, whoa, I've never thought of that. Thanks, God. And it's like only God could reveal such a thing. Um, it, it's even like extra example, different subject. You know, it's like my emotions. Um, like, for instance, Alan, when I listen to music, I feel like I could witness oh, yeah. to Vegas yeah. on the street. Yeah. You know, Because, you know, the music's going, your emotions are a part of it. And all of a sudden, not that you're hopped up, but you're really like just into your emotions and you're like, man, I need to witness more, man. I need to do better. But then after the music's off, like those thoughts are not there. And it's like, that's just a tad bit of like here in the last year, I've really realized that like my emotions have influenced a lot of things that I considered spiritual. Yeah. But it's like, no, it's just Hunter's emotions. Uh, I think that's a good barometer to tell when your perspective of God is right. Like, oh. I made a statement that I don't expect God to just wave a magic wand and make me more holy. I know I can't get holy on my own. Mm-mm. I know that God's the one that does that. And it, but when my perspective of God is right, I understand that. Man alive, Alan, you're not supposed to be slothful or lazy, lethargic, a uh, Christian, or just sit around and, and, and hope things happen. You have to be obedient to God and listen to the Holy Spirit. When that heart gets in that right position mm-hmm. and that perspective of God gets right, it's all natural. It's a, it just flows like it's supposed to, and it's not awkward or, 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 or you know, dis, dysfunctional. Everything flows like it's supposed to when God's in his right position in your uh, in your life. Yeah, and I think you said it, Alan, just like the position he holds. Um, you know, it's like God lives in me via his spirit. And it's like, yes, it's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. But... As I talked about last Sunday with the church, it's like Romans 6 also talks about that I can bring my members into obedience or disobedience. So it's like, does God remain in me on the throne? Absolutely he does. I mean, he he has sealed me. It's his work. It's complete in him. Now it's like, okay, it's like the quote I read, the only capacity left in me where sin really gets a hold of me is my mind. Exactly. And and, and nobody has to tell me. And that's that private intimate part between you and God. And I mean, I love our pastor and I, I'm, I'm glad God's got him here, but the best counselor in the world can't help me with that relationship. It's a personal, intimate, private yeah. communication between me and God. And he lets me know when it's not right. Yeah. And it's my responsibility to be humble, contrite, repent and get it back in the right. Yes perspective yeah and that's it what you said getting it back in the right and it's like you know if god lives within you and you're you're born again and you know it i mean you've been uh submerged into him um then like understand this like yeah he's on the throne and when he starts to work he's gonna fit complete that work um but what we've been called to do is just be obedient and not present ourselves that's it man to and sin this- and this, like, is, this has been a really complex, really in depth. I, I want to say a lot of information has went out about this topic. 
but listeners, if, if you will just boil it down, that simple, humble servant's heart that's obedient, mm-hmm. man alive, it gets it gets a lot of things in the right perspective. Yeah. God helps you with lots of things that are difficult. Yeah, and in, and that's where I was going with was like, you know, if your perspective's off, it, it, that doesn't mean God's off. It means you're off. Exactly. It's like if you present your members to exactly. something you're not supposed to. And Alan hit it on the head like, Okay, God lives in you like he's going to redirect it. That's what you said. And that's the thing about the perspective is like, I mean, here's the reality, Alan. Like, I didn't know I was wrong a lot of times until somebody told me. That's a good now, thing. like, obviously, like, there's morals within me that God has given, right? right? Written right. on our hearts, our minds, our conscience. Like, I know without somebody, I knew without somebody telling me when I was little, like, murder was bad. Okay. Right. But what I'm talking about is like my prayer and my perspective like, when God revealed to me I was wrong, I was like, man, I've never thought of that. I've been wrong for a long time. That's God teaching, Holy yes. Spirit's teacher. Yes. And so, you know, I think that's a good way to start this last perspective episode off because it's like, you know, you're not going to have it down, Pat. You're After you listen to these episodes, like, you're not going to just have the remedy and be perfect your whole life. Like, your perspective is something you constantly have to be in check because even if you're not careful, like, you yourself, your perspective will be on yourself. Yeah. And so, you know, there's there's a lot of things, and it's like, you know, uh, perspective means point of view. And so that's the only thing that we really wanted to do with this segment is just challenge people in their perspective. And I've challenged myself. I mean, my thoughts were like, man, we're going to really, this is going to be good. Hopefully people listen to it, really grab a hold of it. And now I'm sitting here like, man, I, I grabbed a hold of this. Thank, thank yeah, you, God. Me too. Forgive me, too. me for not thinking yeah. of myself. Yeah. And so we're going to do just that today. Um, all right. Um, so if you were with us last time, if you listened, um, we talked about, um, let me pull it up real quick, life for God. And we talked about that episode a lot, and I think our plan was we were going to keep talking about it. But just through thinking and um, talking to Alan this morning, we're going to move on. We're going to finish this because um, we're ready to move on to something new. Um, we have a lot of ideas. We've talked about a lot of things, but we're definitely going to pray about it and uh we're excited about that, but it's time to wrap this up. Um, we talked about life for God, and if you guys remember, hopefully this will jog your memories. Uh, the analogy was a 22-year-old's greatest fear was ex- insignificance. Unlike those who wasted their lives and what she deemed less important careers, this lady, Rebecca was her name, wanted her life to matter. She wanted to ensure significance and to control the outcome of her life by achieving great things for the kingdom of God. And so we went through and we talked about some pros, you know, of living a life for God. Um, you know, going out, being a witness, making sure the church is the way it needs to be. And like one of the things, um, it says church leaders will often discuss the challenge of becoming outward focused rather than inward focused. And he talked about how they'd rather fix the color of the carpet than go out into the neighborhoods. Um, so like there were some good things about being for God. Um, even like in that example with um, our figurative Re- Rebecca, the 22-year-old, um, you know, she wants to do great things for the kingdom of God, which is great. But where she's wrong is that she deems things less important and she finds her significance and control in trying to achieve those great things. Yep. So in reality, it becomes it's about her more than it is about uh, making um, great leaps and bounds for the kingdom. And so we talked about that a lot of times people living for God, it, it really can stir a self-centered 
um, direction or vision or dream of like, you know, I want to achieve this. I want to do this. I mean, when I was younger, I, I knew who Billy Graham was. I wanted to be Billy Graham. I wanted to be that preacher. But it wasn't like for the kingdom of God. It's because that's just what Hunter thought things were supposed to be like. For example, um, like right now, Derek and Tashina. Derek used to be on our podcast crew. They've moved to Florida. God's led them to Florida, and that's where they're living now. And it's like a lot of people hear that example, even myself, and they're like, man, like, I want to live like that. Like, I want to be about that. But like in their minds, as this example talks about too, a lot of people feel like they've just got to sell everything they own and go into that full-time ministry. Well, it's like for Derek and Sheena, that they're doing what God's called them to do. And not only did he make it evident in their directions, their finances uh, their home, the kids' schooling, like everything worked itself out. But it's like a lot of times we hear that, and it's not that we want to go into that. It's like, no, I want to be that. Yeah. And so that's kind of where we mess up because we'll say, well, that's living for God. But in reality, if it's not God's will, then I shouldn't do it. So like, for instance, if I go home today, I'm like, hey, pack your stuff. We're going to move to Florida too. What are we doing that for? So Hunter feels like he's accomplishing something great and drastic. A lot of times people think that God's will includes you selling every piece of property, possession you own, moving to a faraway country, living there for about 30 years, and then coming back to America to just work in the church. But like that might be for some people. And thank God for those who are obedient to that. Yes, But that's not for everybody. It's not. And so it's kind of like, you know, it talks about this consumerism. We've talked about that in this segment. It's kind of like there's this consumeristic idea out there that think about Christianity like a brand, Alan. Like, let me use this example. Like, if the brand says you have to do this in order to be a part of the brand, like, people are going to do anything to have that because they want to be in that brand. So it's like, you know, in my life, have I ever seen people move and then like the next week I'm like, man, I think I need to move too. I think God might be calling me to uh, Zimbabwe. Yeah, but like in reality, like that's not God's will. God wants me here in Madisonville, Tennessee. And so it's like, you know, this idea is like you have to do these great drastic things in order to be right with God and to achieve great things. Um, As we've already stated, what's the motive in that? Is it really God-driven or is it you? And for those who it is God-driven, Derek and Tashina, if you're listening, praise God for you. Thank you for your example. But see, what's the example, Alan? This is the true example, and they would tell you this. The example is not to sell everything you own and move just because you feel like you need to do something great. The example is to be obedient. That's it. And their obedience, it's like I told them, and we prayed about it together as a group Wednesday night. I thank God for their obedience because I hope it stirs in me to be just as obedient here. And following the Spirit of God. And absolutely, that... that value that's in that obedience and sacrifice is so uh, evident and it's so necessary and the temptation to be someone who mimics others is just as real because a personal example I can remember when my brother was saved as a young child I thought well I need to be saved too because my brother's saved now I want to do it because he done it, not because the Spirit of God was moving me to a position of salvation, but because I thought, well, my brother's being saved. I need to be saved. And that submission and obedience to God, whatever it is, if it's to sell everything you have and move, and if God's directing, do that. But here's what God needs. God needs, God needs us individually, uniquely, 
to be obedient to the Spirit in our life. Yeah. And there's a there's a mission field for each and every one of us. Yeah. And, you know, and we're going to talk about that. And it's like when you look at this life for God, it's like, here it is, Alan. An individual is either, oh, no, 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 let me go above that, let me go above that. Okay. Cutting open the life for God's cosmic apple. So, like, what's the center of it? What's the center of this perspective? This is it right here. It's understood to be, uh, oh, it's some great goal understood to be initiated by God and carried for by us. It defines everything and everyone. Yeah. So, like, is there a great goal? Is there a mission? Absolutely there is. Go to the ends of the earth, right? right? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, making disciples. And that, that's what we're commissioned to do, is make disciples and share the gospel. But it's like, people try to take goals and let those goals define their life. But in reality, what defines their life? Obedience comes before goals ever achieved. Yep. And that's that that is what defines Christianity. It's like I have a personal relationship with God first. And I have to let that be cultivated by him. I have to spend time talking to him. I have to follow him. I have to let him work on me because I'm the clay, right? He's the molder. And then as I pursue that relationship, which sometimes we lack in, um, we know that God will call us to do things a mission, a goal, or a work, or a ministry. And then, yes, we are called to that. But my life is not defined as a pastor. My life is defined by a child of God. Yes. And so it's like, is life for God good? Yes. But we have to be careful and we have to define it. Because if we don't, then everything's a mission Everything's a goal, and if we're not careful, we're going to define what success for the kingdom of God looks like instead of letting God define it. Yes. Because it's like, think about this, Alan. What if? What if? Alan, what if I traveled to every state in this country my whole life and just preached the gospel, but I was a crappy husband? Mm-hmm. Like, when I get there, do you think God's going to overlook how crappy of a husband I was just to... Tell me that he thought my goals and accomplishments were wonderful. Will there be reward for that? Yeah, if it's of God. But it's like when I stand, if I stand before Christ at the the bema, right, as a Christian. Now I am forgiven of those sins, but like, what's something you think God's going to be unhappy with? Well, how I treated my wife. What do you think the conviction would be my whole life while I'm traveling them states? The conviction, I'm not treating my wife right. Yep. And so it's like, we have to understand that like we've got to be with God so we can be for God. Yep. And it's like this, what if I define my whole life by goals and missions and doing all of these things, but I never take that time to grow personally, Alan? I mean, it'd almost be like trying to fill up a, a cup with water, but the pitcher's empty. Yep. And so is there pros? Yes. Is there cons? Yes. Now, as we move today, we're going to move into life with God, and this is going to transition. So let me start reading this, okay? And this is from the book that we've been using as our guideline. Okay, but in the opening words of John's gospel, this is about the perspective which is called life with God. Okay, so the opening words of John's gospel, which are spoken of Jesus, divinity, and incarnation. Listen. We are given a very different vision of the universe. Okay, so think of all these perspectives, all these different things, right? What's at the center of the universe? What's the center of our perspective? We've talked about it, okay? But in John 1.1, okay, he gives a different 
vision of the universe. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. It is one of the enduring paradoxes of the Christian faith. Jesus, the Word, existed before all things, and he was both with God and was God. From this passage, numerous others, comes the Christian doctrine of the Trinity, one God eternally existing in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. While a fuller exploration of the Trinity is beyond the scope of this book, a basic understanding of this doctrine is critical toward understanding the Christian view of the cosmos. Okay? If we peeled back the physical and metaphysical layers of time and space, so physical, um, I mean, things you see, metaphysical, I believe that's stuff like love. You can't see love, but it's there, I believe. Okay, so if we peel back physical, metaphysical layers of time and space and peered into every core of the universe, we would not discover divine will, natural law, personal desire, or global mission. Let me read that one more time. If we peered back the layers of time and space and peered into the very core of the universe, we would not discover divine will, natural law, personal desire, or global mission. Instead, we would find God existing in an eternal relationship with himself. That's good right there. Mm -hmm. Okay, This changes our view both of the world and why God created it. The author says, I like how Kevin DeYoung explained it. With a biblical understanding of the Trinity, we can say that God did not create in order to be love, but rather created out of the overflow of the perfect love that had always existed among the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Whoever live, lives in a perfect and mutual relationship in delight. So it's like God didn't create things to have everybody walk around and make God feel good. No, God was good. God doesn't need us, right? But God, out of his love, created us, and also out of his love, sent his son to die for us. That's good stuff. So look, okay, the life with God posture is prededicated on the view that relationship is at the core of the cosmos. Woo! <laughs> relationship is at the core of the cosmos. Explain that a little bit. So think about this. I mean, all these perspectives we've talked about. Let me, let me just kind of catch us up. So life under God, right? God's a, a boss, okay? That is not... At the center of, of everything. Okay, life over God. You using your divine power and your divine will to, you know, tell God to do things and get God. That's not at the center. Okay, life from God. You don't see a God that just tells you to, like, do everything you want. Life for God. You don't see a mission. But life with God. Life with God is that at the center of creation. At the center of the universe. At the center before all things. We have a God who exists in three persons. Right? And you see a relationship. You see an intimacy. Do you remember when Jesus said, I and the Father are one? Think about this, Alan. Do you remember in Genesis, during creation, when it said that God was putting things into existence? And you see the verse that says that the Spirit hovered over the water. But then you see over when He creates man, it says, Let us make man in our image. Alan, do you know what blows my mind? Is that they were freely creating, present, and at work together. Yep. And I'm telling you what, like, when you look, it, it's like I was talking with the Bible study yesterday on Saturday. 
You know what Paul told Timothy? He said, Timothy, we don't have a spirit of fear. We have love, power, power love, self-control. But you know what, Alan? After he tells him not to be fearful and to not neglect the testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ and Paul who suffered, do you know what he told Timothy? He said, you have been called. You have been chosen. You have been extended grace. And do you know what else he goes? It says, before the beginning. Yep. And I'm telling you what, Alan, the fact that we have such a merciful God that was at the beginning of all things together in a relationship. And then you get over into Timothy and he says, Timothy, you were called. You are chosen. All of these things, right? By a God who existed before all things. And then you stop. And he's like, compare your fear to your salvation and this all-powerful God. And Paul's like, I fear nothing. Yeah. But it's like, what's important to us? There's now? so many things that are going on right now in that's 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 not only a uh, a powerful statement. It's a humbling statement. It's it's a it's an it, it's it's an empowering statement. It's it's a it, it's a statement that has got me right now thinking about man alive. What a relationship! What a relationship that not only God has with the Son and the Spirit, but what a relationship we have with Him. Yeah. None of our worth of our merit of our goodness of our you know uh, any of that because he loved us first yeah and, and you know it really makes me think alan like for instance and i've talked about this before i remember a time where i mean even right now but this one this one it sticks out to me alan like a sore thumb like i mean i can remember the night i got saved you know, just a, a tender voice, but a, an acknowledgement and a knowledge that given to me of God. Oh, I'm lost. Like, I'm I'm going to hell. Oh, my mm-hmm. gosh. Yeah. But I can remember that. But, Alan, I remember so one night I was at my sister's house. And I was in the driveway. And, I mean, Alan, this is, I was a younger man. And I'm telling you, I was struggling. I was struggling with lust heavily at this time. And I wasn't married. I mean, younger. And I'll never forget, Alan. I remember I was sitting in my car, and I was like, God, why will this not go away? Why? Why is this so hard? I mean, just kind of like pouring my heart out, but really complaining. Like, I know, and I mean, I can quote myself, God, I know you have the ability to take this away, Mm -hmm. but like, why won't you? And I'll never forget it, Alan. I was sitting there, and I I was getting ready to get out of my my car, and I mean, it made me shut up. It really did. All of a sudden, I mean, through the work of the Spirit, a, a verse just hit me dead in the center of my heart. And it was just part of it. it regard iniquity in your heart. And Alan, I don't know about you if you're familiar with that. But let me let me read this whole verse to you, Alan. Go ahead. Let me, let me just pull it up. Okay. So, if I type regard, let me, let me use Google. Regard iniquity in my there it was yeah psalms 66 18 and 20 listen to this alan if i regard iniquity in my heart whew, the lord will not hear me but verily hath heard me he hath attended to the voice of my prayer blessed be god which hath not turned away my prayer nor his mercy from me 
And that hit me, Alan. If I regard iniquity in my heart, I'm telling you. And I thought, that's it. That's it. The reason that I feel like my prayers are not being answered and the reason like I feel like I can't get past this is because I keep regarding it in my heart. I wanted it, Alan. And I kept telling God I didn't want it. But in reality, yeah, I never had confessed that there was a desire in me to want that lust. And I'm telling you, that, that, that was a pivotal point in my sanctification. Because from that moment on, I really started to learn what it meant to hate that sin. Because yeah. I had let it into my life for so long. Yeah. But it's like, my relationship with God is what brought that out, Alan. Exactly. And I, I'm telling you all, like, does God want us to be obedient and do great things for the kingdom? He does. And Alan, as I'm telling you this, I'm convicted because I'm going to be honest with you. Have I attended to my relationship like I should? No, I haven't. It's just, it's very quick and go. Like at work, you know, praying while I'm working or reading here, reading here. It's very sporadic, right? And it's like, I'm convicted. And as I'm conv- telling you all this, I want you to understand, I'm no way going to let myself be sit here and be a hypocrite. I need to hear this too, is what I'm saying. If my relationship with Jesus Christ is not at the center of the cosmos, like that the center of my life, then I'm gonna my perspective is gonna be off. Sure is. And I'm telling you what, like I'm sitting here like Alan, you know, when I was reading that and was explaining a little bit more after he, you know, um he gets Alan fired up a little bit and it's got me a little but here's the thing. I'm trying to just come up with words to fully explain it, and Alan, I can't. You can't explain it because just like when we were, when we're in a condition, and we know that our our relationship with God is not in the right condition, we want that fixed. We want that right relationship with God because we're His children. Here's the deal: God knows what we, He says in Matthew six. Don't ask for the, you know, like the like the heathens do. Don't pray like the heathens do. You know, praying. Praying, yeah, and, and, miss, yeah, all that, all, all that stuff. In those prayers, where we say, "God, I know you can take this away from me. God, I know you can do this. I know you've got the power." But God knows. We're not telling Him anything. We're not. We're not educating God about anything going on in our life. <laughs> God already knows what we don't know. Oh, boy. I have no intention of stopping that. Yeah, I have no intention of crucifying and, and, and amputating that from my life. I have no intention of that. I just want to feel better right now. Ain't it funny though, Alan? You said like a lot of those times we feel like we're telling God something. Yeah. Like, oh man, I'm struggling. God's like, yeah, I, I, know yeah, I could see that. <laughs> I see that. Yeah. You got a problem, boy. Yeah. But it's like you know, and I also realize, Alan, and I, no way, no way, no way, no way, am I going to compare myself to Paul? But I know that God allowed a thorn to remain in Paul's flesh. Now I'm not here saying that God allows lust to be my thorn, but what I am saying is that through that really hard time in my life, God allowed things to take place that I would draw near to Him and realize that He's drawn near to me. And here's what I'm understanding. Some of the biggest spiritual battles in my life, Some, of, and again, I've had 52 years worth of them, but some of the biggest controversies, some of the hardest, darkest times in my life, self-inflicted. Oh, every time, 100% almost. self-inflicted, and I'm, I'm laying there playing the martyr's role in sackcloth and ashes, <laughs> weeping, wondering why. It's like a it's like a Chinese algebra question. I don't understand this, God. And it's, I don't understand. No, you knucklehead. 
examine yourself, repent, and and turn from it, and turn to me. This is such a side note, Alan, but for me, I think it could be an algebra question from anywhere, <laughs> and I would do that because I'm really bad at algebra. So it don't matter where you're from and you're listening to this, just understand I'm bad at algebra no matter where it comes from. Um, okay, so let, let's let's keep reading because, Alan, it gets a little bit better. Listen to this. Okay, so at the court, right? God the Father, God the Son, and with... Oh, no, no, let me read this better. I was uh, fast reading. God the Father with God the Son, with God the Holy Spirit. And so we should not be surprised to discover that when God desired to restore His broken relationship with people, which we broke, He sent His Son to dwell with us. His plan to restore His creation was not to send a list of rules and rituals to follow God, which is the life under God perspective. Okay? Listen, this is good, Alan. Nor was it to... Uh, nor was it the implantation of useful principles, life over God perspective. He did not send a genie to grant us our desires, life from God perspective. Nor did he give us a task to accomplish, life for God. Okay. Instead, God himself came to be with us, to walk with us once again, as he had done in Eden in the beginning. Jesus entered into our dark existence to share our broken world and illuminate a different way forward. His coming was a sudden and glorious catastrophic catastrophe of good. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I love this. I I just, Alan, it's really brought this whole segment into a conclusion. God did not send Jesus so that way we would follow rules feel like we have to live by principles, treat him like a genie, or think that there's some great goal out there. No, he sent his son to die for us that we could be with him. And if you've been listening to all of this series and you're thinking, man alive, you're beating this to death, right here is the climax. Here's the the apex of this whole conversation, guys. Please don't miss it. And it's like, Jesus entered into our dark existence. So it's like Jesus didn't just suffer and die and take on the wrath of God so I could treat him like a genie. He did that so I could be with him. Yep. And it's like, Alan, you know, there's a lot of times in my life that I really, I really, Alan, I try to use intellect and knowledge to process and completely understand a lot of things we read in the Bible. Like Alan, for, for example, when you talk about relationship right and you read about the exit the relationship between god and jesus before the beginning of time my mind cannot process that alan i mean it really can't okay alan my relationship with jesus christ now i can understand that i'm forgiven of my sins i don't live under guilt and shame i mean i'm free from those bad boys Uh, and most of them i don't even have shame of because i don't remember them because i've been forgiven of them um, do I understand there's a spiritual warfare within me between the spirit and the flesh? Absolutely, I do. Um, Alan, do I understand that I can have communion and prayer with God and I can read God's word and it can just attack me and like not attack me, but like jump out and grab a hold of me, whether conviction or something I need to learn? Absolutely. 
But Alan, if you were to ask me to completely explain perfectly how the Trinity of God is within me and at work in my life, I can give you some scripture, Alan, and I can give you some the- like not even theology. I can give you philosophy and ideology and my opinions of how I feel like it works. But Alan, I'm not God. You're not. And there is no substitute for that intimate experience that only Hunter knows what God has done in Hunter's life. There's no replacing that. And just like in my own personal life, the things that I reflect on that God has done in my life, I don't I don't have to search for an explanation. I don't have to try to find down the root source because I know God's convinced me. And because I'm so convinced, there should be a, a genuine appreciation within me that drives me to demonstrate I appreciate God's goodness because of how real he is in my life. And it's like, Alan, you know, I'm so there's so much I'm learning now too. Like I mean, for instance, this last week, me and Haley, we had a little bit of a, a disagreement. And I'm telling you, Alan, like, this is my relationship with the Lord, and this is what he does. Instead of just talking to Haley and trying to work out our problems, you know what? I have a, I have a problem of doing, compromising to avoid argument and to make her happy. Well, and the Lord's really been working on me. That's not leadership. Yeah. That's not a leader. That's not a home leader. That's somebody that just wants to keep somebody happy and not deal with the aftermath. But it's like, you know, I, I thought about that. What if I did this our whole marriage? Am I really setting Haley up for success? Am I being a good leader? Um... Am I giving her that authority that God's given me right. to, to do? Right. Um, am I listening to her? You know, am I loving her? Right. And I'm telling you, like this last week at work, it was a conviction that compromise is the center of my problem sometimes in our disputes. But like, do you know what brought that out, Alan? My relationship. And just as much as Alan could sit here and tell me, like, Hunter, I've noticed... Um, Hunter, I've noticed you've been kind of down lately. And I'd sit and say, you know, Alan, because we have that relationship. You know, Alan, um, I'm just not having a good time at work. Or, you know, me and Haley, we're just we're struggling right now and we're arguing a lot more. Like, I can sit here and have that conversation with Alan. And people are like, well, I can't believe in God because, you know, you can talk to a person, but God's not right there. Like, okay, please, listen to this. Like, a situation occurs... I'm praying about it, like, Lord, what do I do? And what does God do through the Spirit? Compromise. And I'm convicted of it. And those who know, and those who hear, hear me about to say what I'm about to say will understand completely. He is a person. I do talk to him just like I talk to you. And he does, through his Holy Spirit, guide me. And it's so real that, I mean, people that are unbelievers could think, man, you're you're crazy. You've lost it. No, I've not. No, I, <laughs> no, couldn't I've give not. My, I couldn't give myself that good of advice. No, I couldn't either. <laughs> I'm telling you. And, I've, and I've that, made some poor decisions in my life. And that's what that relationship is. Exactly what it is. And like, you know, it may not be, like, I could talk to Alan right now, and I know Alan's going to respond within seconds. It may not be within seconds. It may not be within that day. It might take some time. I might have to get in the Word, and God's going to bring something out. But like, God will completely guide us as a parent Absolutely. with God a child. Absolutely. And I'm telling you, like, that that is an evidence of relationship in my life, and someone would say, "Well, Hunter, you know, I thought God speaks to us through His Word." Oh, He does. God pointed out my flaw, but now here's the question, 
Am I loving my wife as Christ loved the church? Am I? Because if I am, Alan, I'm called to be a leader to her. And she's going to try to submit to me as unto the Lord, right? That comparison. And it's like, can Haley really submit to me well? And we love each other well if Hunter's not willing to lead in confrontation. Yep. In fact, think about this. Think about a child. If all you do is compromise for that child and give it what it wants when it's upset, how do you think that it's gonna how do you think your relationship's gonna grow? How do you think that child is gonna turn out? And yes, my wife's not a child, but it's the same thing. It's like God calls people to love their parents and train them them up in the ways of the Lord and admonition of the Lord. So it's like, yes, God will point me to scripture, God will point out my flaws. But I'm telling you this. Compromise is something Hunter's going to have to work on. And that's marital things that a lot of people struggle with. But it's like, you know what? Because of this relationship and because my perspective can be with God, I'm able to be in a posture exactly where God can minister to me, lead me, and I can have the right perspective that I have to keep in check every day. That's what God wants. And I'm telling you that's what. That's what God wants. My friends... He wants that relationship with you. He does. Everyone. And if you don't have it, you can. If listening to this, you know that God has convicted you of sin, and you know you're lost and separated from Him, I would encourage you, through repentance and faith, belief alone in Jesus Christ, and through Him guiding us through that process, we can be saved. That's it. And you can as well. No works, no extra. And you know what? Paul said, I put no confidence in my flesh. In conversion, my friend, if you're under that conviction, ultimately, you already know this, it's not a, really about you right now. Exactly. It's about a God who is wanting you to be saved exactly. and He's loving you. Exactly. And I'm telling you what, guess what that is? That's with God. That's perspective. So guys, we love y'all, and we have enjoyed this thoroughly. I hope you have as well. Alan, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to say? God bless. Hey, God bless, and we'll see you guys next time on the WCBC podcast.